0: Well, welcome, and thank you for joining this podcast. I'm going to discuss three abstracts that were presented in Chicago at the American College of Rheumatology meeting in the end of 2018, and they deal with a really important question for us as clinical rheumatologists, namely how well can we address pain and, if you like, indirectly consequent impact on function for our patients. In particular, we're going to focus on the activities of JAK inhibitors, so, the JAK inhibitors are an emerging group of medicines which are selectively able to inhibit different members of the JAK signaling superfamily. So, that is respectively JAK1, JAK2, JAK3, and TIC2. And the different medicines that are now either approved or in the late stages of development have selectivity for different members of the JAK family. The interesting thing about the JAK biology is that whilst at one level, they subserve signal transduction for a whole range of side kinds of potential interest in inflammatory arthritis, there's also emerging data that they may also impact other biological features that are important to our patients. And so there's really intense interest in what can be gained by looking in detail at the clinical trial data sets and then reverse translating those back into the biology and underlying uh, physiology mediated by the JAK inhibitor pathway. So we're going to talk about three abstracts in particular. Um, First one from Dr. Foutrell and colleagues. This is a a comparative effectiveness, looking particularly at pain and function. It compared baricitinib with adalimumab, toclizumab, and tofacitinib. And it uses a matching, adjusted, indirect comparison method. And I'll, I'll comment on that just in a moment. Secondly, I'm going to turn to an abstract from Dr. Wells and colleagues looking at the impact of upadacitinib on pain and morning stiffness. And finally, uh, turning to an abstract from uh, Dr. Audrey Zola and colleagues looking at potentially specific effects of JAK inhibitors on pain and fatigue in rheumatoid arthritis. So let's turn first of all to the work of Dr. Futrell and colleagues, uh, comparative effectiveness, looking at pain, the HAC disability index uh, for for function, and comparing the impact of baricitinib with adalimumab, tocolizumab, and tofacitinib monotherapies. And this is an analysis of patients with rheumatoid arthritis who were conventional synthetic DMARD naive. uh, This is a methodology which is potentially quite challenging. It is a method used to uh, normalize against the placebo and baseline characteristics of different phase three data sets. And it's a, a method we borrowed, as I say, from health economic methodologies. And it does have to be taken in that spirit. It's, it, it's a useful methodology that can be interpreted wisely whilst we await formal head to head studies. So in this particular uh, analysis, baracidinib monotherapy was compared to similar data for adalimumab. TNF blocker, tocilizumab, IL six receptor inhibitor, and tofacitinib, a JAK one JAK three inhibitor. Baricitinib, remember, is a JAK one JAK two inhibitor. Now, the individual patient data from the four milligram baricitinib arm were weighted to match baseline characteristics from the adalimumab arm from Premier, tofacitinib five milligram arm from Oral Start, and the tocilizumab eight mg per kg arm from a combination of Ambition and Function. Uh, the method of moments were used to determine weights for age, gender, baseline disease scores and baseline values of the outcome variable. And mean change on pain, visual analogue scale and hack disability index at week 24 for baricitinib were adjusted for these characteristics with a weighted linear model. Uh, the statistical significance of the weighted treatment effect was assessed with a, a bootstrap method. Well, taking all of that, what what did the authors find? Well, if you look at the graphs that I'm presenting here, if you look first at the left-hand side, at the pain visual analogue score, uh, in general, those uh, uh, data sets that move to the left are tending to favour baricitinib, and those to the right would favour the comparator. Uh, At the top, you're looking at the comparison with uh, tofacitinib, and you'll see here, uh, by and large, there is uh, really no major difference, perhaps numerical superiority for baricitinib uh, until you apply uh, the, the Bucher method when the error bars no longer cross zero. Against tocilizumab, the data look a little more persuasive. Uh, regardless of matching and Bucher method adjustment, you see that there is a, a, a favour towards baricitinib, and this is more accentuated when compared with the premier arm of adalimumab. Now, if you look on the right-hand side, now addressing the HAC disability index, you can see really no convincing change compared to tofacitinib. Whereas, uh, comparing with uh, toclizumab, uh, the, the suggestion that there may be improvement in function which is superior for baricitinib, again, this is very marginal, but perhaps more noticeable when the comparison is made with adalimumab across the three different methods. So the conclusions that the authors drew from this were that after adjustment for differences in baseline characteristics, uh, barocentin abuses monotherapy, four milligrams, is potentially associated with greater reduction in pain and improvement in physical function when compared with biologics, tocilizumab and adalimumab. And I would say that that was particularly noticeable for the adalimumab group. Uh, and compared with and monotherapy, the authors comment on numerically uh, greater reduction in pain, uh, but no change in, in, in terms of the comparison in physical function. As I say, I think we have to be really cautious in our interpretation of these data. The matching adjusted indirect comparison uh, approach is validated in the health economic literature, but we do need to be cautious in terms of interpretation in the clinical trial space. So more data required, but intriguing early suggestion of value. Now turning to upadacitinib, this is a predominantly JAK1 selective inhibitor. It's in phase three clinical trial development. And this is an analysis from Dr. Wells, uh, looking at uh, pain and morning stiffness in people with rheumatoid arthritis who had an inadequate response to conventional synthetic or to biologic DMARTs. So a little bit more background here, uh, upadacitinib was assessed alone or in combination with conventional synthetic DMARTs versus background therapy. The data come from Select Next, Select Beyond, and Select Mono, and they were uh, particularly analysed for uh, the evaluation of the impact of vipadacitin of pain and morning stiffness. Now, pain and duration of morning stiffness were assessed through weeks 12 to 14, and an LSM changes from baseline to week 12 or 14 were based on the mixed effect repeated measures model. And at each time point, the percentage of patients reporting more than or equal to 50% improvement in pain, no pain or mild pain on an absolute pain score less than 20 were recorded. And the uh, the morning stiffness uh, reporting uh, was uh, for less than 15 minutes. The cochrane mantel heisel test was used to compare between groups. And there was stratification here in prior biologic DMARD use. We've seen that as an influencing factor in a whole range of studies. So turning now to the data, uh, I'm showing you here two graphs on one slide. If you can look in the left-hand side, you see the, the change in pain reported, and the, this is a, a reduction. It's a LSM percent change from baseline through to week 12 or 14. The turquoise bars show the 15 milligram and 30 milligram upadacitinib doses, respectively. And you can see whether we look at Select Next, Beyond or Mono, there is a convincing and persuasive improvement in pain in all of these studies, which is pretty consistent across studies and certainly far in excess of that which one would see in the placebo group. If we look to the right hand side, you're now looking at uh, the morning stiffness and once again uh, when we compare either upadacitinib dose group with placebo, there's very clear evidence of improvement which is going to be clinically meaningful. So the major conclusions here is that there's a pretty rapid onset of clinically meaningful improvement in pain and morning stiffness in the different populations of people with rheumatoid that were compared in these clinical trials. and. Uh, there were similar improvements reported for upadacitinib monotherapy compared with methotrexate. So overall, I think this is very encouraging. Uh, we do need in due course to start to look at the discrepant responses. That is, is whether there's additional value that upadacitinib has in the reduction of pain as compared to changes, for example, in inflammatory scores. But that's work for the future. In the meantime, it does look as if there's persuasive clinical improvement occurring, and that's very encouraging as we see this medicine coming uh, into the marketplace in due course. Now, the last abstract I want to turn to is from Dr. Orgezola and colleagues. And this is actually thinking about what I just alluded to, whether there's a specific effect of JAK inhibitors in pain and fatigue. Now, the key background element here, it was a, a systematic review of tofacitinib and baracitinib clinical trial data, and they were interested in the impact of these therapeutics on pain and fatigue. Uh, as I've already mentioned, these are common problems, and it drove the authors to think a little bit more about the, the, the common effects uh, that, that might be mitigated across the Jax Super family. It's a pretty extensive literature screen you can see covering PubMed, Cochrane, and Embase, uh, and the, the data were used to try and uh, compare as far as they could effects uh, of JAK inhibitors with biologic DMARDs, and with, they, were, they focused particularly on pain and fatigue. The change in pain was the visual analog score, and FACET was used for fatigue. And they were calculated between baseline and study endpoint for the DMARDs and placebo and a meta-analysis was performed to estimate the pool mean difference with their 95% confidence interval using an inverse variance approach. Uh, and for those who are interested in the statistics, heterogeneity was assessed using Cochrane's Q test and I squared. Okay, well here's a table that demonstrates the, 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 the key outcomes. The left-hand side, you see improvement in pain in the top, improvement in fatigue in the bottom. And, and against each of the different modes of action, you can see that there is uh, an improvement measured uh, with the absolute improvement and then the 95% confidence interval. Now, the key conclusions we draw from this is that there isn't really a major difference that is mitigated by JAK inhibition on pain and fatigue when we look at it in clinical trial data across other biologic DMARD trial clinical data sets. So that's we have to qualify, at least in the short and medium term. As I've observed before, using the methodologies taken from uh, the health economic literature, one can adjust for baseline variables. Different statistical approaches will give us different answers, which is why we really need to look for head-to-head data in the long term to direct us as to which is the best mode of action in terms of addressing pain, fatigue, and similar functionally disabling features of our patient's disease. So concluding, I hope you found these data interesting. Uh, It was a great meeting and a particularly important meeting as we started to learn more about what the JAK inhibitors can really offer us in terms of improving the lives of our patients. And I commend these data to you.